It's episode five of Tice Talks, and today we have a debate on church revitalization versus church planting. It's father versus son, Tice versus Tice. Oh, wow. I can't even get more exciting. I'm pumped up. You're going down. Josh Tice, David Tice. That's right. One's a doctor, one is not. Well, can you say, couldn't you phrase that differently? One is a doctor, one is a dentist. <laughs> what? A All dentist? Right. I don't know. I'm not pulling, a dentist. He's pulling your leg, not your tooth. So you know, Heather would really appreciate that. That's a great joke. That is. That is. It's not a great joke. It's a terrible well, it's joke. It's a great joke because it came from me, a person who really believes in great church person. planning. I want to welcome you to Tice Talks today. And again, uh, in our studio, we have with us uh, Pastor Josh Tice from Southern Hills Baptist Church. It's me. Here Hi. In How Las are you? Vegas. <laughs> And I am glad that he's here. I have my wife in here with us as well. Uh, hello, at- hello, Anna. I'm trying this new thing where I'm calling my mother Anna. She doesn't. She's laughing again. She's laughing at, at my son. Who Who is the child that makes you laugh the most? You, I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> See, even even Matthew said when when he was very young, yeah, that the the person that brought fun into our family was you, Josh. Well, that's kind. I don't know what to say to that well, other than thank you, and I accept my position, okay. a family clown. So here, we're t- today we're talking about church planting. Yes, we are. Uh, uh, as versus versus uh, church revitalization, and we're going to talk about what is what is better. What is what's better? Just to, oh, to go I, out I could, and start a I, church from scratch. No, I can clearly tell you right now. I'm taking the position of church revitalization. It's but, far superior but, to church planting. But then you planted a church. Yeah, but I know for this debate, I was supposed to take this position. Okay. <laughs> so, so you're going to take the position of church revitalization yeah. as compared and to church planting? Yeah, and if you don't, what kind of a man... Well, I can't go that direction because we both planted churches. That's right. I planted a church and you planted a church. But it's a debate so. that's really raging right now um, in a good way. Um, it's wonderful because basically evangelical America is discussing, and around the world... They're discussing which is the better way to serve the master, and that's a great debate. And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people, a lot of men that are my age and older who are stepping out of positions of leadership yes. in church, and there are churches that need to be revitalized, and there are, there, are, there, are, there are churches that need a young pastor to come in. When I say young, uh, 30 to 40 years old, to come, come in and, and take over a ministry. Absolutely. So, so how do I know where God wants me to go, whether it's whether to plant a church or to re, or maybe a church is dying and go in and help revitalize that church yeah. or take the the uh, take a church that has been successfully pastored and needs to have needs to be turned over to take to the next level or yeah. something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, so where are we at? So let me start off by saying this. When I was in school uh, and Dr. Falwell used to say to us, listen, go don't go out and take over somebody's dead, dying church. Don't right. go over and take take it over. He would say that it's a whole lot better to, it's a whole lot easier to birth a baby than it is to um, to raise the dead. Yeah. A whole lot easier. Now, I, I, I got to tell you this. Your wife said to me one time, that's because he never gave birth. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that she said that. That's pretty yeah, good. I told that. you. She's a she's a funny gal. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, uh, so, uh, so is that that's your first point? Yeah. And my my point is this: if I if I go in and I start a church from scratch, 
then I don't have to deal with the issues of a dead, dying church. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair, right? If you're going to birth a church, you're not going to have to deal with um, the ridiculous nature of a dead, dying church. Okay, but here's my counter to that. On the church revitalization side, I would say right now, currently in this moment, 2020, the door is wide open. That's my point number one. Point number one is the door has never been more wide open to church revitalization. As you, in, as you insinuated and alluded to a moment ago, there are so many churches across the country that are dying. So many churches that are without pastors or very soon will be with the baby boomers in decline in their age, especially the older baby boomers now in their mid-70s. A lot of them are leaving behind pulpits and pastorates that could just take the fresh wind of a late 20-year-old or early 30-year-old and bring that couple in. And so there are multiple opportunities that are coming onto the uh, quote-unquote church market right now that you could jump in there. So I would say point number one, church revitalization versus church planting, is the incredible amount of opportunity, the door wide open for church revitalization. And we see this constantly in the Idea Network at Revitalize 2020 that we just had. There are a lot of churches that are looking for good ministry leaders. It's not going to be easy, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, there are a lot of opportunities out there. You know, to, to take your, your position, I had a friend in Wait, New wait, hold on. Yeah, I, I, Have I, I already convinced you? No, no, I just... This is five minutes in, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. There it is. He's a very I convincing speaker. You. I've trained him well. <laughs> so here's here's the point. I had a friend who was in New Jersey. Yeah. This is like 15, 20 years ago. He was in New Jersey, and he just felt... Bit, he, he would drive by these churches that were deserted. He would go inside, and there would be five or six people there on Sunday morning yeah. in a beautiful auditorium uh, that that that... 60 years before that mm. was filled. Obviously, somebody took money and built the thing. So he would take independent Baptist preachers and and uh, take them into those churches and say, listen, you need a preacher and we need a building. Would you allow this man to be your preacher? Awesome. And he did that to 20 or 30 different churches awesome. uh, and uh, to help get those churches uh, going again. I don't know what it's like now. It's 15 or 20 years later, so I don't know what the results would be. But uh, he said, they have assets. We have a preacher. So why not merge the two? Yeah. And uh, so interesting. Anyway, well, you so- did talk about the, fi- the idea, though, to raise the dead. And a lot of times that's exactly what it is. It, it's a dying dead church. And to raise the dead is going to be really difficult. And giving birth, maybe not so much, right? They're, they're, both are supernatural miracles of God, and but one might be a little bit more natural. And that's, the, and that's the second point. Second point is this. You don't have to, if I'm planning a church, I don't yeah. have to deal with dead, dying people who have got archaic views. You, uh, well, you're, not a, you're not allowed to move that pew over there because that was given by Sister So-and-So yeah. back in the 1920s, and we just can't have... And she's gone, her family's gone, everybody's gone, yeah. but uh, you, can't, you can't touch that. You can't, cha- you can't change the color of the carpet in here, and you can't, yeah. you can't do that. Do you, why, why can't you do that? Is there something in the Bible against that? No. I don't, we've just never done it that way before. Mm, yeah. And you have to deal with that. You have to to deal with uh, this whole uh, thing of people's thoughts that are just tunnel, tunnel vision. Uh, 
having to deal with that. When you're planting a church, it's fresh. The people that come in, they don't know what to expect. Everybody's new. And so there's an excitement. There's a buzz there because everybody comes in. Everybody's saying, wow, this is new. This is exciting. Uh, Can we be part of it? And you've got people who know since it's new that they they. They have to be part of this, and 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 they and and you need them to totally be part of true. that. Totally true. I mean, this is total. This is my experience. When we started, Heather and I started Southern Hills, fifteen years ago now, almost sixteen. Um, I can remember that first year. I would talk to other guys who had taken pastorates or were in those kind of situations, and have over the years, and the amount of stress that you have to face every time you go into that deacon board, or every time you deal with those individuals that 10 to 15 to 20% of the people who are just so anti anything you're going to do. Man, I mean, the weariness and the stress of dealing with that. You're right. When we started, um, all of those individuals were just excited to be part of this new church plant. And um, there is a a sense of optimism, I think, a very, very thick cloud. So I've won you over to my side. I appreciate the fact that you you have— you have okay. been come come you know to what? the to the right side. You've I'm sorry. you've come from the dark side to the right is... side. You're you're against revitalization, and now you are pro church planting. Church planting is stupid. Don't do it. <laughs> that's the, that's a great argument, right? <laughs> okay, so let me give my second point for revitalization. The first one I said the door is wide open. Here's the second one: a church revitalization project has plenty. Of resources and people. Now, it might seem like you don't you don't have a lot of people, but I'm telling you, if you go into a church and it only has 40 people, that's 40 more people than you have if if you're planting a church. And you say, well, 40 is not a lot. Then you plant a church from zero and see how long it takes you to get 40 people to come there week after week after week. It is a lot easier to have 40 people immediately than to have zero people immediately. You walk into a church that has 70 people. I mean, you are so far ahead. So my second point is resources and people, well, people well, and resources. But we can answer that by saying you got if you plant it right, if you plant it right, then you work together with a church in the area that you're called to plant. You work with that church as we did with Southern Hills. And when you start, you don't start by yourself. You take six months to a year to develop a a core of people so that when you start, you've got 40 or 50 people that are there. I agree. That I are think, trained and you're, see, I'm winning a, you back over to my point of view. Well, I see that as ideal, but let's be real. How many people and how many pastors are in this in this city or in this country that have the willingness to do what you did with Liberty? I mean, you birthed out of your church, another church with, with, with beginning with a solid 20 adults, 20 kids. There's 40 of us that started a church and that's a huge sacrifice. So uh, how often does that actually take place? I agree. That's an ideal. That's something we should shoot for. But it's not really practical in that it doesn't maybe happen as often as it should. I think guys like you who are constantly teaching others about church planting, you can keep establishing that over the next decades. I need to follow that pattern myself. We attempted to do something by planting a church in Oakland, an incredible church. We sent people up there, but the number was not what for it was. I mean— in totality, what did we send? Four, five, six people from our church. Yeah. Um, now we had church planting teams, but it's very difficult to do what you guys have done because we as pastors tend to be really selfish with our resources and our people. Yeah, that's the truth. And you know what we really do, and this is sort of getting off the subject, but it's really important if we're going to plant churches yeah. that we understand the concept of the local church. And yeah. I think I think because we come from a, an era where 
people were planting and wanting to build mega churches, that the concept of having a mother church that births other churches within the same city so that we really can have a localized church mm-hmm. that's so that I'm not driving 10 and 15 and 20 miles and 30 miles to get to a church. I am, I am, I, I am going to a local church, a church that I can drive to within a few minutes, a church where my family can be uh, ministered to and where, they, where we can be interactive with that church. That's only going to happen if pastors in cities, especially in, 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 in a metropolis like Las Vegas or another large, other large cities where, they, where we get to thinking local church and we say, listen, they need, they need a church in that area. They need a church in that area. Yeah. They need a church in that area rather than driving um, all the way across town or even back in the 70s busing people uh, from all over so that we can have a large number in the church. This, this idea of planting and helping somebody in my town plant a church. We've done that 11 times. And there's really only six of those churches that are, that are functioning, but it, we're thankful. Yeah. Uh, that's what we need to do. We, when in planting churches, we have to have older preachers, older churches, mature churches being willing to sacrifice what they have to help get those local churches. I, I completely re- agree. And then whenever you do that, what you've talked about when it comes to the people, the extra people, that does take it out of the category of, of, revitalization and puts it firmly into the category of church planting. But that leads me to my third point of why I think church revitalization is a great option for young ministers out there right now. As you're comparing the two, what should I do? Plant a church or revitalize a church? And that is, I would call it what I call it the 10-year leap forward. And what do you mean 10-year leap forward? If you go into a church, let's say you have a church revitalization project and the church has 100 people, which is a great, great situation but it has 100 people, and you go into that place, it has 100 people, and it probably has a paid-off facility that's probably worth between $1 and $3 million. If that's, depending on where you are in the country, if that's the case, you need to understand you have 12 months ahead of you that are going to be extremely difficult, but when you're done with that 12 months, you've just leapt forward by 10 years. Can I ask you the question, what... What would you do then with the people that like they, they they invite you in and then they're critical of you? How do you build to make that in a twelve month period? How do you make that church you're revitalizing uh, into a church that is following your leadership? It's a great question. I think the first thing is to be honest with yourself about the actual percentages. What? What are you, what are you talking about? Honest with yourself about the genuine percentages. Every pastor tends to be. Um, extremely dramatic and focused upon negativity and forget the positivity. Uh, here's an example, and I'll get back to your an- to answer. I could have 100 people tell me on Sunday, that was a great sermon, Pastor. Man, that was amazing. And I could have one person say, I really was confused by most of what you said. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to feel bad yeah. about that sermon. Yeah. Because one person didn't like it and 99 were, were loved it. Okay. That happens so much in church revitalization. We go into a situation, I talk with guys all the time at Idea Network about this. You'll go into a situation and you get extremely discouraged and depressed because you think, man, they're all against me. And the first thing I do is I say, let's take out a piece of paper and a pen. Count them up, how many are against you? Like if, if you could look at all the negative people out of the 100, count them up. How many are against you and how many are ready to leave or should leave? And if you quietly, secretly wanted to, could push them out. How many are they? 
it's normally between 10 and 15%. And that's bad. 10 to 15% of the church really has a problem with you. All right. So what do you do with that 10 to 15%? You love them. You pray for them. You minister them. But when you realize they will not let you lead them, then you help them find a church that they can follow the pastor. And sometimes that's through very hard, honest, crucial conversations where you say, look, it doesn't, it doesn't look like this is the right church. It doesn't look like this is the right fit. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm making your church experience miserable, and I'm staying here for the next 25 years. And I don't want 25 years to be miserable for you because the things I decide to do, we're going to do. And 85% of the people are behind me. And that'll happen. That that happens in a church that's ten years old, two years old, one years old. I had a guy come to me one day and said, said to me, uh, Pastor, I I don't want to make you feel bad, but I'm going to go over to Southern Hills Baptist Church. <laughs> and I said, I said I'm so glad to hear that. And he looked at me like, What are you saying? I said, Listen, let me explain to you. This is what I said to him. I said, You need to understand that Liberty Baptist Church is my Disneyland. This is, I love being here. I love being with the people here. I love what we're doing here. I love everything that we're doing. Uh, If you walked into Disneyland and you were walking around the room, the place with Walt Disney and Walt Disney, and you said to Walt Disney, I really don't like this. I prefer to go to Six Flags. You know what he would say to you? Go to Six Flags. I'm going to enjoy, you know, all these people are enjoying Disneyland. I hate to see somebody miserable here. Yeah. Go, go enjoy. People are different. And see, this is something something that we learned from you early on. I love this, is that you're not the only show in town. You're not the church of God. You are a local church among other local churches. Yes. And with that being the case, there are amazing places that will maybe perhaps minister to your family better. And we've done, we've had the same thing. I've had people come to our, us and say, hey, pastor, um, there's things at Liberty that we prefer and we're going to go. And it's always very awkward for them, right? And we, because we're sister churches, we're fine with that transition back and forth. We continue to have that. It's more uncomfortable when you don't know the pastor, you think uh, that other church might be a little bit different than you or whatever it might be. Yeah. But what you have to do is think through the health of your church, and if you have to get really honest, write it down on a piece of paper, put 85 names on one category, 15 on another, and then realize the next, the next, mu- uh, next 12 months, I'm going to be working on bringing those 85 closer to my leadership, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help these 15 grow in their relationship with Jesus by transitioning them to another church. All right. right. And you cannot be intimidated by that. We as pastors, especially young pastors, are so intimidated by the idea that somebody might accuse us of being dictatorial or or that they're not being fed i mean fine that is they can say what they want to but if you're honest about the numbers it's probably 10 to 15 percent of the people and what happens at the most and and you said what you said and it's true it's usually one less than that it's one or two yeah it but but those those one or two just put darts in your heart now before we move on you might be sitting there saying pastor you don't understand josh Dave, you don't understand. Call him Dr. Tice. Don't call him Dave. Um, <laughs> you might be sitting there saying, it's 60% of the people. Okay, L- listen, if it is 60% of the people and you're in that scenario, really, honestly, maybe the best thing is for you to go. Um, it might be to do, do something else. And I don't know what your thoughts are. But most of the time, if you're really honest with yourself, it's not that many. The vast majority will follow your leadership if you get, become confident, bold, deal with those who don't need to be there, love them into another place, and then lead the church. If you do that after 12 months, 
you will have leapt forward by 10 years. Here's why. Now you'll have 85 people willing to follow you with a paid-off building. If your church was incredibly successful, it'll take you 10 years to get a, pay, uh, a building, let alone a $3 million debt you're sitting on like I am. Yeah. Maybe, maybe revitalization might be the key for you. Yeah, and that, and that honestly is a great, great benefit for revitalization because if you can get that, you are starting off, like you said, 10 years ahead of time. Well, there's one other thing that I think about when it comes to church planting as compared to um, as compared to church re- revitalization. If I'm planting a church, I can focus on what I want to focus and I build the reputation I want to build. Yeah. Um, I am, I am, if I'm planting, if I'm planting a church, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be focused on soul winning. I'm going to be out telling people about Christ. I'm going to be able to focus my total attention on that, not going over and seeing sister so-and-so or, or brother so-and-so, and I'm not going to have to deal with You're this exactly guy's right. problem, that problem. I'm just going over meeting brand new people who are excited about our church and uh, have questions about our church, who I can plug into our church, and there's, there's, an, there's an excitement and a buzz about that. And I don't have to deal with a negative reputation. Oh, that's the legalistic mm. church in town. Mm. Oh, that's the church that uh, where uh, the preacher ran off. Or, or oh, that's the church that stole money. Or that's the church uh, that's in debt up to their ears. And yeah. that's the, uh, oh, is that church still going? Uh, I don't have to deal with a bad reputation. I'm making the reputation. That's a good argument. And you're pulling me over to your side. If it weren't for this last point. Last point on the, on the side of revitalization is in a lot of church planting, there's a lot of bivo work, a lot of bivocational. Um, if I'm going to get this church planted, I'm going to have to work outside the home, or I'm going to have to raise a bunch of money, um, or we're just going to have to go without. So you have this, this plethora of decisions. Do I go without? Do I get a second job? Do I raise funds? The cool thing about a revitalization project is a lot of times you're coming into that project with either partial, half, or full salary immediately. Now, granted, you're going to spend the first 12 months making best friends with all the key leadership. You're not going to have a lot of time as much for evangelism, though you should evangelize. You're not going to have all that time as you do for church planting. You're going to spend that whole 12 months working those 12 bad families out and focusing on the 100 people that you can. But throughout all of this, you won't have to work at Wendy's. You won't have to raise a bunch of money. And so the second job situation, I tell my friends sometimes, Hey, if you can do that, um, you can avoid uh, the long, slow, painful thing of, of working bivo. And let me just say, for those who are working bivo, bivocational friends of mine right now, some of you choose bivocational ministry. That you've, you refer to yourself as a marketplace pastor. You like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what God's called you to. That's awesome. I'm talking specifically to the bivocational guys who don't want that. They don't see that as their calling. They see it as a Band-Aid to get to that to get to the point where they can work full-time in the church. Okay, for you, uh, revitalization might be, might be the step. Yep. Well, that's obviously, a, that's obviously a great point. Your points are not quite as good as my points, but, <laughs> but I do uh, appreciate what? the fact wow. that we can have this discussion. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter. We, you have to determine yeah. what it is that God is calling you to do, but you should, you should examine the pros and the cons of both sides. And I've, I've hoped that we've done that today. Yeah, in totality, we both love church planting, love re- church revitalization. 
And we hope that God leads you. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, man, that's that's what you want to fall into. That's what you want to follow after. No matter what the pros are, no matter what the cons are, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let me just say one thing in conclusion to this. This is this is so important. Um, I, I've, I've talked to, to preachers all the time. I talked to a pastor of a young church plant just a few weeks ago, and this would be about a revitalized church or a church plant because who he's dealing with are people who have come into his church plant oh boy. Who, who were people who were burned in other churches. And what he is doing, he, as I sat and talked to him, I was so encouraged. I said, how many families do you think? He said, I have about, I think he said about 30 to 40 people that are coming to the church. So then I said, well, tell me about how many families you had. He told me about six or eight families. And then he started telling me about each individual family. Mm. And he started talking about how this person has come from, from ground zero to where, he, uh, to where they are now. And then how this one had come from below zero to where they are now. And he talked about them with love. He yeah. talked about them with compassion. Yeah. He talked about, about caring about their particular needs. And I thought when I'm finished, when I thought when when he's finished, that he is what he's doing is building a foundation yep. upon which to to establish a church. And this is the first year and a half or so that he's been in ministry. But it was so encouraging because he knew the people. He wasn't. He's not building a kingdom. He realizes that God had called him to build those people, and those people will build the church. And if we, whether it's revitalization or whether it's church planting, if we pour our lives into the people that are the foundation of that church, then then the church will be what it is. I, I think about how you, in fact, I, t- I used you as an illustration, how you took several families and built them into becoming leaders of the church so that when the church started, there was a solid foundation. And that has just made the, uh, made, uh, the strength of Southern Hills Baptist Church that we see. You might be listening to this right now saying, man, it w- sure would be amazing to have Dave and Anna Tice actually sitting at our church, maybe over coffee at Denny's, and think to yourself, man, I would love to have this type of one-on-one mentorship. I want to encourage you to go to ideanetwork.church and actually go to the mentoring page because you can actually book. Right now, 2021 is really starting to fill up, but 2022 is wide open. And at this point, you can go and even book. Dave and Anna come out for a specific time, a two-day mentorship, a three-day mentorship, where they're going to be able to do some type of conference on the family, on church planting, on missions, whatever you'd like. But really, their heart and focus more than anything is to help you um, as a pastor and pastor's wife uh, navigate these steps, just as he spoke about a moment ago. Well, we are glad that you tuned in today. Crystal, do you have any closing comments? Yep, this has been episode five of Tice Talks, Church Revitalization versus Church Planting. In our next talk, Dr. Tice will give us practical instructions on how to give the gospel. Do not want to miss that. This is Tice Talks. Remember, it's more than a conversation.